it's great to see you. How are you doing? Hey, Rajesh. Good to be back together. Good to be back together. I'm sure you're coming in from lots of different meetings, lots of different engaging conversations, but I have one for you today. Wait so, on me. Recently, I've been, I guess everything old is new again, but I've been obsessed with this idea of a couple of things. But what is this idea of like zero churn or 100% retention? And like, what would it take for a brand to have 100% retention, 100% customer engagement? Imagine creating an experience, a product, a set of services where customers never leave you. Now, what would that take? It would take like probably, first of all, being right that there's value in the products or services for the set of customers that you're targeting. But then two, it's like making sure that like it's really driving some sort of outcome for the brands that are engaging with you. And a part of me has also been thinking about the idea of like, just doing things in a super contrarian way, or perhaps said another way, doing things that don't scale. And like this advice of doing things that don't scale, I feel like has been around for a long time. I remember like reading Paul Graham's blog back in like 2013. And, you know, he wrote about how one of the most common types of advice that they would give to entrepreneur founders, startup professionals at Y Combinator was this idea of like, do things that don't scale. Like you might build something, you might make it available, you might try something, but you actually will be held back by thinking about, is this scalable? So maybe try things, experiment things, and then see like, did it work? And then figure out whether it's worth scaling. So I'd love to use today, Ari, to spend a bit of time to unpack this idea of how we use a little bit of contrarian thinking, how we use a little bit of this idea of like 100% customer engagement, customer retention, and this idea of like doing things that perhaps we would never do if we knew we had to scale them later. You had mentioned this this idea to me a couple of weeks ago, and it's been rattling around my brain ever since because I did not come across the blog post, and I hadn't heard the expression "things that don't scale," and I love the contrarian nature of it. Just on principle, I like it, but it also is such a powerful idea. I can say certainly for us, we spend so much of our days thinking about how is this going to scale, how is this going to scale before we've built anything maybe that a user wants we're constraining ourselves with that part of the conversation. I love the freedom to explore, to develop, to be contrarian in that space you could create if you start with explicitly, today we're gonna to do something that doesn't scale. And then coming back, I presume, on the back end when you have this fabulous experience, when you know how to get to 100% retention, then asking the question, what is it about this that is scalable or worthwhile scaling? But I got a little stuck coming up with examples. So where do you go for illustrations? What's your personal experience with it? Okay, so I have 
I have two things that I've been, one thing I've been doing and one thing I've just been thinking of. So um, I went to, I live in the Upper East Side. I went to Calexico on like 2nd and like 78th, which is a local Mexican restaurant um, a couple Fridays ago. And it was my kids and Peggy and me, and we had dinner at Calexico. And it's kind of like, it's not a QSR. It's not a quick serve restaurant, but it's kind of like fast casual, right? Like that kind of one click up from a QSR. And, um, you know, there are other neighborhood restaurants that I go to on a regular basis, whether it's like Uptie or whether it's um, any one of the other Persepolis, things like that. And what I've noticed is that we go there and you know I made a reservation. You know that I like walked in the door. We interacted with our awesome waiter who was like, really very friendly, very warm, created a welcoming environment, was engaging to everybody at the table, like really was cognizant of our needs. I remember like a manager walked by to check up on us from Calexico. What a wonderful, warm set of service. But at no point did they say anything like, hey, would you be open to like sharing your phone number with us or sharing your email with us? We'd love to be able to message you and have you come back to the restaurant. And, you know, I am like aware of like when I give my data out, but I'm also like, I was having a great experience. And I think like there was an opportunity there where I might've been like, wow, this was like such a fun night that I'm having with my family. I'd love to come back and do it again. I would love to start a relationship in a lightweight way where I might give my phone or I might give my email. And so I was like, why don't more restaurants do that why don't they like ask like hey do you mind if i take your email we've loved having you and then why don't they just message me and say something like hey it's so great to have you in the restaurant last friday we love seeing you and and would you like to come back this friday same table same place what would our retention curve and our customer engagement curve look like if we took that level of personalization that level of time that level of care with all of our customers. And probably what stops us sometimes is this idea of like, is it awkward to ask? This idea of maybe, is it scalable? Yes. The restaurant analogy works for me. Personally, I, I've had one or two experiences. I don't know how I feel if someone asked me for my contact information directly, but if I were signing up for some benefit for some service and a restaurant said to me, oh, we're holding this table for you next Friday, if you can make it because we cooking up something special that we know you like. It made me think of the show. I think I told you the bear. I forget which service it's on, but I do recommend the show as an aside benefit of listening to this podcast. The, there was an episode where they were just talking about very upscale restaurants, things that don't scale, like super upscale. Not, McDonald's is not doing this. But in the particular episode, the waitstaff talked about listening politely into conversations that are happening at tables. And because the show takes place in Chicago, one of the tables commented, oh, we never got to try deep dish pizza in Chicago. And in the episode, which apparently is based on a real story of a restaurant in Chicago, one of the waitstaff runs out to the best local deep dish pizza place, brings a pizza back. They played it in a really beautiful way that's in keeping with 
the brand of the restaurant and bring it out to the table saying, couldn't help it over here. So I do think asking, but also the art of listening or making it even easier to share that information or listening for that information and then being incredibly responsive to it in ways that don't scale at all, but set a threshold. They set a standard for what 100% retention would look like. And then I can come back to, well, what is the fast food version of that? Yeah, that's great. That's great. And and so, you know, for me, that restaurant is like uh, something that I like live and I think about it and I, and I go to and I experience it, I see it. But I think, you know, one that I've actually done and one that I do and one that I've even shared with you and I'm going to share here again is uh, this idea of trying to create one-to-one relationships uh, in a B2B context, right? And I and I think like um, one of my favorite stories involves a uh, chief marketing officer of a QSR brand. Um, and and I, I really love this guy. And I mean, he's 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 an amazing human being, an amazing leader. And uh he happened to give me his phone number. And I I got his phone number because I asked for it. I, I said, look, hey, we don't know each other really well. You know, you seem like a really great person. Would you mind giving me your phone number? And he said, I mean, maybe he felt awkward, maybe he felt like you had to give it to me, but like he gave it to me. And so then I just started like messaging him things, uh, things that I would like think about that I, I'd I'd just be like, or things that I would experience when I would go and like frequent his QSR brand. Um, So for example, I once just sent him a message and I've I've got my, I've got my chat, chat SMS open here and said something like, Hey, I just came across this resume for someone really terrific. Looking for anyone like this. And I like just text him the resume. Nothing. Hey, uh, was using your um, app today and noticed that there's some sort of bug. And I texted him a screenshot of of the bug. And you can see it here, Ari. And it's like, hey, I, I like getting these emails. You've done some good things here. Like, don't miss your free sandwich. Okay, I like the idea of the don't miss out versus the get. Well done. But I got to tell you, there's a lot of wasted space at the top. And most of these people will be opening the email on a mobile device. So like you really are missing the point by not bringing the UI up a little bit higher. So I got a message back and he said, hey, thanks for the feedback. Always welcome. So I was like, wow, cool. Like he actually doesn't mind me sending these critiques. And then it went on. Uh, I ordered lunch again from his app one day and it was a group lunch. And I texted him a picture of the shopping cart and I noted a couple of things that I liked and a couple of things that I thought I would do a little bit differently. Crickets. Then I sent him a selfie of me eating in his shop. Uh, Then I sent him a message about how his loyalty program doesn't work properly when you are frequenting the establishment at an airport. And how disappointed I was to find that out because it was Double Points Thursday. 
and on double points Thursday, <laughs> I really don't want to miss out on my points. Of course not. Um, so, Ari, this idea of like doing things that don't scale almost for free and for fun, I just think it's got like so much great application because what's happened over time is like I have a relationship with this CMO and by the way, he's become a client and, and, and I didn't set out to like win a client. I just set out to be helpful, to have a little bit of fun, to, to meet and build a relationship with somebody that I thought was really great. I love the example. I'd love you to come in and share that example in IBM. The specificity of it is so powerful for me because you could have sent WPP as a new white paper. But to take a selfie of yourself in their shop and to say, I'm loving this and, ooh, this could be better. I am seeing the picture now to prove that he was, in fact, there. Yeah. And his sketch on the napkin that you also sent, I think, to the CMO, that specificity, it's hard to build that into if you start with this, just my scalable campaign. We had a version of that come up. So this has been on my mind because we've been having a conversation around account based marketing, top thousand or so accounts for IBM. We make enormous a percentage of our revenue from these top thousand accounts, like a lot of big companies. And we started a program a few years ago where we embedded marketers into the account team with our sales colleagues. And their entire job is marketing within this account. So we've seen that done well in other companies. That was a step we took and have seen really positive results. And we're probably covering 300 or so of the top thousand accounts. So we're going through our planning for 2024 and saying, wow, that program's working well. And coincidentally, one of the priorities for next year is growing these top accounts. And there we are going through budgets and someone said, yeah, too bad it doesn't scale. It made me think of you. And the first question for me was, I love the specificity and the not scalable elements of it, but are we sure it doesn't scale? Why doesn't it scale? The more we start to talk about it, we say, well, hold on. We have 3,000 or so marketers and comms people at IBM. We want to cover top 1,000 accounts. It's the most important thing to us. Maybe it does scale. Maybe it has something to do with the commitment to that kind of work, which is a paradigm shift from a campaign mindset. And clearly that's different than what we will do for the long tail of PLG. But I think the interesting question is once you've established that example, your personal example, are we sure that doesn't scale? If everyone in your organization did that three times a week, authentically, maybe it does scale. No, you're right. It does. I think your 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 point is if you, you can take some of the long tail out with PLG and programs of like product-led growth and being able to fulfill everything via digital and, 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 and lighter weight means, then that frees up some subset of people to have these kinds of relationships. I think, I think that works. I think there's also this idea of maybe 
recognizing. Like today, sometimes I talk to people and I'm like, uh, did you follow up with so-and-so? And they're like, yep, followed up with so-and-so. Meetings should be happening. I'm like, great. Like, when was the last time you heard from them? Oh, I haven't heard from from a week or two. I'm like, okay. Like a part of me thinks like, well, did you text them? Like how much of the world has moved to text message as a way of a long, a long time ago, there was a fax machine, right? And we would like fax each other stuff. And then like fax disappeared and it was like all email. And then I remember like, I got a fax and I was like, oh my God, I got a fax. People were like, I can't believe you got a fax. Nobody does that anymore. But like we stood out because we did it differently. So that idea of being a little bit of a contrarian, if everybody else is emailing, then maybe we should send a text message. Like we got to get out of the inbox and we got to get into a relationship. And, and, you know, and that relationship should ideally be designed on a principle of empathy for the other person. What works best for them, right? Sometimes it's email. Sometimes it's a text message. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's a video call. Sometimes it's a voice memo. But as individuals who are trying to create relationships, as individuals who are trying to scale this, one of the principles is be mindful of the mode that you're communicating have deep empathy for the person you're communicating with. Make sure the content you're communicating is helpful. I think all of these principles work in tandem on this idea of doing things that don't scale and, and then scaling them. In your example, I like the idea specifically, but then the principle of thinking about routes and channels, if I generalize it. And you're trying to break through. And on the one hand, direct mail or fax seems so old fashioned. But on the other hand, it may break through the clutter. I love even more than that in your example, the empathy. Because part of the reason text works is because it's not particularly intrusive. And even more than that, the thing that I love the most about your example, the thing that I believe cuts across routes, channels, even convenience, is it was real and authentic and personal. When you scale it, that's the thing that you're most at risk of losing, that you really liked this restaurant, that you really went there, that you really had this thought. Because you could imagine now people following you and say, all right, so I guess what I'm supposed to do is go to a potential client's restaurant and pretend like I had the meal and take a picture. That's the part you can't lose. But if it's authentic, I think it cuts through a lot of the noise and then those other elements become tactical considerations. Reality yeah, I, and authenticity cuts through a lot of marketing. I, I, I think you actually really put a fine point on it there, Ari. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad I shared that story with you because you're right. Like it, it is, it can only be if it's authentic. And so it's like how maybe a part of scaling one-to-one or relationship-oriented experience is the proper matching between the enthusiasm someone has for a brand or a, a channel or a, a, a industry segment along with the person, right? Because otherwise it's like, you know, if, if, if this 
sandwich brand was a sandwich brand where I was like, nah, I don't even like their sandwiches at all. Like this would never have worked. It, it was the fact that like I was already a customer. I was already excited about it. I was, it was authentic to me. I see the pieces starting to fall into place. I want to bring it back to the team and talk about the idea, framing the idea of start with things that don't scale because I think it takes us to a more personal, authentic place. Being experimental with channels, routes, messages, but coming from a, a more personal place in these kinds of examples. And then stepping back from the success and say, what are the elements of that that are worth scaling and are scalable? You've given a beautiful blueprint that I'm going to take and try to run with. I have very specific applications. Like we're talking right now about IBM spending more time with CMOs and in, in companies, an audience we don't normally speak to, which happens to be your example. Um, I think we just show up saying, hey, you want to hear about Watson X? Scales just doesn't work. We're going to start next week, maybe after Thanksgiving, with your framing of let's start with things that don't scale and take it from there. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, Ari. And I would be happy to come in and chat with the team and run them through. We'll hook my phone up to like whatever the projector is and we'll we'll show them like the message after message. And I'm 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 really passionate about it. And I yeah, and I'd love to do that. And I think too, like this idea of um there are a certain set of topics that people in marketing and people in demand gen, like we are talking about every week that are like, oh, you know, imagine if we did segmentation and that segmentation was based off of, you know, AI detecting behavior instead of any other segmentation that has ever been done before. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, wow, that's, you're passionate about that topic? Well, I guarantee you can find a in some sense, it's about knowing ourselves as individuals and as a, as a collective team and a collective company and what we're passionate about. And then how do we find our tribe and others who like want to engage in these kind of dialogue conversations? I'm going to take you up on the offer. The team will get a kick <laughs> out of your whole story. And I was so happy when you're going through it, I was saying, hold on, how is this going to end? When you said you became a client, I felt so happy because the other possibility was, and then you got a restraining order. Against <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him. And uh, I'm going to be away for six months. So, But we need you here. We need you here in the halls yeah. of Ivy. So I'm glad it all worked out. Great to see you, Ari, as always. Can't Good wait to see you, Rajesh. Thank you. Next time.